a Cathedral Studios production. St. Louis Blues Supporter Show. We're back to break down a disappointing week of blues hockey, talk over and underperforming players, and preview a week of fixtures that features some familiar faces. Plus, we'll play armchair GM for a bit, dive into the cesspool that is St. Louis Blues Twitter, and talk about fun hockey players' names. It's going to get a bit wild this week, so strap in and brace yourselves for this week's St. Louis Blues Supporter Show. <laughs> listener, welcome back to the St. Louis Blues Supporter Show. Uh, with me today is, as always, Mike Kelly. Howdy. And Andrew Ship. Hello, many greetings to you. <laughs> I just never know what you're going to say, Shippo. It's always part of the fun. It's always part of the fun, keeping me on my toes. I'm Benjamin <laughs> Jude. We've got lots of blues hockey to talk to you about. Um, you might want to get like a pint or a glass of wine or maybe something stronger because this past week was kind of a doozy, wasn't it, Mike Kelly? It absolutely was. It absolutely was. The Blues played three games, and I, I seem to recall myself, these words came out of my mouth on last week's pod, these are winnable games. These are games, these are teams we should be beating. Uh, we, we didn't beat them. The uh, Arizona Coyotes shootout loss, the Columbus Blue Jackets an overtime loss, and the Anaheim Ducks a regulation loss. So it just kind of got worse and worse. What, uh, what were the overarching themes from this depressing week of Blues hockey, Mike? I didn't see any consistency offensively in the first two games. The Anaheim game, despite the lopsided score, actually looked, they had more flow. It seemed like they just made a couple of really bad defensive mistakes, uh, especially from our previously discussed Norris Trophy candidate captain uh, on that first one. But um, my my takeaway from the... Uh, Arizona game was Bennington gives up two shootout shots on two shots, two goals on two shots, which really kind of surprised me considering the last shootout, he turned away five of six. Uh, And then his next start against the ducks, he gives up a breakaway, which granted that one was caused by a absolutely horrible play by Falk. But still, I mean, you got to stop that breakaway. And and Grant made a couple of pretty good moves there to to put that between Binning or yeah Bennington's legs. But just kind of defensive breakdowns it seemed like this week. Yeah, the Blues have not been fantastic in shootouts this this season. And have we won a shootout game this season? I don't think so. I'm not sure yeah, we I don't have. Think so. As for the Arizona game, Jaden Schwartz got us on the board at the end of the first period, assisted by Shannon Petrangelo. Um, second period, Clayton Keller equalized for Arizona, and then Colton Pareko gave us the lead back towards the end of the period, 15-41, assists from Sundquist and Barbershop. Um, and then Connor Garland tied for Arizona five minutes into the third. Um, that went into overtime and ultimately a shootout. Um, I think part of it is, yeah, it would be nice if... Now, maybe we're harping on Bennington unfairly because it was about three weeks ago he stopped five of six shots against Vancouver in a shootout, right? And we're not scoring goals in shootouts, and I think both of those two things are, are pretty... Uh, they're, they're equally important, yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, know. I don't know what you do. That's got to be something that you work on in training or even just for fun, you know, but we don't seem to, we seem to be very, very predictable in our shootout attempts. Um, and as the league gets more of a sample size on Jordan Bennington, they're going to catch up with him. That's just the way sort of the natural law of, of scouting works in any professional league. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, as a whole, it's with the sample size of Jordan, Jordan Bennington, I thought that was the big question mark. And that's why I was, okay with kind of that two-year deal because it is we don't we don't really know he had he had a great run and taken nothing away from him but maybe it's it's catching up um but I think the biggest thing of of this past week and I know I'm guilty of it and maybe the players are a little bit too but we looked at that that road trip we looked at those four games we we took all of the points um and then we said okay well we'll be tested in two weeks um, not this week with 
Arizona, Columbus, and Anaheim, but looking forward. And I was just kind of thinking, okay, you know, business as usual, we'll take four or six or something, something like that. Um, two of six is not good against teams that we should beat in two of those games at home. Um, and so moving forward now, it's, you know, I, we're going to be tested. And for the first time since those, those two injuries to, to Tarasenko and Steen, I think we finally saw the lack of offensive production. Um, and so now the big question, even bigger question than it already was, is where is that going to come from? Um, and I, I said it on here. I wasn't ready to make a trade. I wasn't ready to make any dealings. I was thinking it was all premature talk. But now I'm kind of like, where is that going to come from? And that's worrying, especially when we get into the likes of, uh, you know, Tampa, Calgary again, and Nashville twice, not to even talk that. Tampa's waiting there again. Um, so I think that this is going to be a, a really testing time for these blues, but uh, it, it just not being able to hold the lead. Arizona lost the lead. I know it was only two, one, not our favorite three, one uh, Columbus lost the lead two one. So where's, where's that defense going to shore, shore up or where are we going to, to start to get those, you know, maybe go up three, one and actually hold it. So that's, I mean, I think that's my biggest concern is no matter what the lead, it doesn't seem like, you know, we weren't able to hold it twice um, this past week. Yeah. And two, two different times in one game, really, we coughed up two leads in Arizona. Um, one in the second, one in the third, I, I feel like coming off of such a successful Canadian road trip, right. Which no, who expected us to take eight of eight points on that road trip. I didn't, um, thrilled with it. Yeah coming back, you play Arizona who are traditionally not a good team. That being said at time of recording, they've jumped up to second place in the Pacific division on 28 points, um, compared to the blues who have 29 points. Um, did the team underestimate this Arizona team thinking, okay, they usually roll over for just about anybody. Maybe I would like to think they're more professional than that. I know as supporters, it's really easy for us to look at the fixture list and say, Oh, that's Arizona. Easy. Um, especially when we're riding that high off of the Canadian trip. Um, but I think we set ourselves up for a really bad string of games. Arizona, a good team, and losing that took us into Columbus, where we continued to play undisciplined hockey. We took two, two games in a row. We took too many men on the ice penalties in overtime. How does that happen? That's bad. It's really bad. That's people playing together that haven't normally played together in those roles. This is the guy I usually jump up on for. Um, or maybe there's a, a shift. Again, there's two guys who you know would play a lot, although Steen didn't really see a lot of overtime minutes. Um, but still, it's, I think, adjusting to, to a new system and, and everything. And it's unacceptable, really. I mean, there's no way around it, especially in a three-on-three, four-on-three system for, for the power play. So... Um, just maybe figuring out like being more steady, being more um, in, intentional in that communication of you're, you're not jumping on if this person comes over only this person, whatever that may, may be and not try to mix it up on the fly. But yeah, that's, that was crazy. And it seemed like in that Arizona overtime, uh, the blues were owning the possession when that overtime started for the first minute or even two minutes. And, and I don't think Arizona even had the puck down in our end once. And the blues just get caught up with, okay, let's, let's pull it back. Let's regroup. And all of a sudden one too many people steps on the ice. And it's, it's just frustrating because, you know, in the stands, the people, even the people around me were, you could hear Mr. Overtime, Mr. Overtime. It's going to be David Perron again, Mr. Overtime. And, and, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was disappointing to see that. And then, uh, to see Bennington give up bang, bang, two shootout goals like that. I mean, it, both of them were stick side. It didn't seem like he even hardly flinched, uh, on those shots. It was very clear, very clear that they they knew they had a game plan going into that shootout against Bennington. They they knew what they were doing and uh, something for him to work on, you know, because that's not the first time he's been beaten in in that way. He hasn't quite looked that foolish in shootouts so far. Again, he's he's kept us in several shootouts when we just can't seem to score. 
Um, but Arizona, we're ready for that. And Arizona, like like we said before, are a good team. Um, so I, I'm actually not as disappointed by... There are, th- there are aspects of that game that do disappoint me. The too many men on the ice penalty in overtime, blowing two separate one-goal leads is not good. Inability to score uh, in the shootout is not good. Um, but... I come back to, okay, Arizona are a good team. We're riding a high of a road trip. Maybe we just weren't quite in that headspace. You would think dropping those points at home would set you up to be on the ball for a road game against a team that we already did beat in overtime. In fact, on the 1st of November, 4-3, Mr. Overtime gave us that game-winning goal at Enterprise Center. So we go out to Columbus. Not a good team. They're in second last place um, in the Metro not quite our game, was it, Shippo? No, and to, again, taking another stupid penalty and and being a, just frustrated with that. Like how how do we how do we allow that to to happen? You know, let's let's fix what the mistake was and let's let's overcome that. Um, and so it's it's just kind of frustrating to to think about. Um, meanwhile, I was enjoying and enjoying a nice rye tasting event at a coworker's house. It seemed like, okay, back and forth a little bit, maybe not as crisp as, as we would like, but then again, you found yourself, found ourselves with a lead and just again, couldn't, couldn't hold on to it. So, so I, I can't really say much apart from that, except rye is good. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> it felt like uh, it felt like a good road game through much of it in the sense that we were we were grinding the game out. Yeah, especially like first and back to backs, um, knowing that we would come back to St. Louis and play Anaheim the following night. We went down about halfway through the first period. Vladislav Gavrikov scored his first NHL goal, and it just always pisses me off. I said this in the Facebook group. It always pisses me off when somebody gets their first career goal against us. I don't know why. It's got to happen against somebody, yeah, but I'm just like, come on. It just seems like it happens to the Blues more than anyone else. It happens actually this season, yeah. A lot, yeah. Um, Jake Allen was in goal for this, and in fairness to Jake, he played a solid game. None of the goals that he conceded were on him. And it's been a long time since we've been able to say that, um, that he really did everything he could do to keep us in the game. Uh, Mackenzie McEachern, speaking of grinding, scored a grinding goal to close that first period. In in fact, just 40 seconds left in the period. And that had me in a really good state. You're thinking, okay, we tied it up going into the second on the road. Braden Shen put us on top halfway through the second period. And you're like, Okay, like let's let's play tight. Let's close this out. Maybe get one later on or an empty net. Um, but Pierre Luc Dubois tied the game up uh, two fifty into the third, um, and it just kind of carried through Zach Wierenski with an absolute rocket of an overtime goal um, on the power play. The goal that Shen scored, the power play goal, was a real pretty passing play. It was bang, 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 and it it's was. in the back of the net. Yeah. Uh, Highlight real stuff for sure, but yeah, you, you can't take these penalties in overtime. And while you're on a power play, too, something to build off of though is that is good for Jake Allen. His uh, if we're just like riding the trade trade uh, value meter for Jake Allen, it's right. it's trending upwards given his last two starts. I hear there's um, an opening in New Jersey right now. There is an opening in New Jersey. We'll come on to that later because I do want to talk about <laughs> just a weird situation out there. Um, the 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 league table has shifted for sure. I don't know. It's This is one of those games that kind of irks me because I, I felt like we did what we had to do through much of it on the road. Um, and to, yes, we, we took one point. Yeah. Um, normally you'd take that, but I think given the fact that it was sandwiched in between two games that had disappointing value in other ways, I'm just, it, it kind of, it, it frustrates me a bit. Um, and it was the first of two back-to-backs, the second of which came, uh, the following night, Saturday night in St. Louis. Um, this was not a good game, Mike. Were you no. at this game? No, I was not. Shippo was. Shippo was, that's right. Uh, all inclusive, yeah. Yep. How much of this game do you, do you remember? Uh, all of it, unfortunately. Um, 
I mean, the first three minutes and 50 seconds of this game, I was thinking this is going to be fun because the blues came out on top. They looked really good. They looked really sharp. Um, I know they hit at least one post in the first three fifty. Um, I don't remember David if it Perron, was two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember when the second one was hit in the first period, but they hit two posts in the first period. Um, and I was thinking this is going to be good. Like this is going to be a good, fun Saturday night game. Um, gonna go out afterwards and just you know keep on loving life. Um, and then just two stupid plays. And honestly, the the whole ducks like system i i don't think i've ever seen anything like it in a hockey game the when the ducks were were winning the puck back they would just flip it to center ice and their two wingers would almost like crisscross like a wide receiver on a post pattern try to knock the puck forward and just get after our defenseman our and our defense had no answer for it um and it was the wildest thing because the first time it happened i was like oh that's kind of weird that's kind of a fluke um, and then they did it again and again and again. And I was just like, what is this? I've never seen anything like it. Um, and I, the Blues just, I, they kept getting caught up ice. It wasn't, and after that first goal, um, the second one shortly thereafter, um, it just, it went from being crisp, looking like a team that was going to score five or six goals themselves to a team that couldn't control the puck. Um, didn't have any consistency um, and just never put it together. It was just such a, such a demoralizing two minutes there, I think was, was the difference between the, the, the Getzlaff goal and then the first grant goal. Um, it was, it just flipped like right there. Um, just being so on top to go into so on bottom, just so quickly. It was, it was wild. You could tell there was a, a very clear strategy, and it was a good one on the part of Anaheim, knowing that we're coming off of back-to-back games, knowing that Columbus is a team that's had to drastically shift their style of play. In, in the last year, having lost, I think, 80 to 90 points worth of production in, in the players that they've lost to free agency, plus their top goalie, right? So their game looks different. They're a much younger and more energetic, grinding team, and... and um, against St. Louis, who, frankly, like our defensive unit, absent Bortuzzo and certainly like without Edmondson in the team, they don't play a physical game. Um, so possibly tired legs, a team that's not going to gonna hit you. And Anaheim are a pacey team. Uh, they have size. That's a great strategy. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't have an answer to that. And I said multiple times on Saturday, I miss Joel Edmondson. Um, and I did not really think I would, I would say that. Um, but I mean, I feel like this team misses that, that grit right now. Um, that, that fourth line is a, is a grinding line, but apart from that, I mean, Bortuzzo's just kind of, and I love Bortuzzo's game, but he's kind of oafish. Um, but I, I missed Edmondson's just tenacity and toughness on the back line right now because we don't really have anyone there to do it. Um, but a trade is a trade and, and Falk just hasn't adapted yet. I don't, I don't know, but I think that it's looking like a lot of money there that, you know, still early, but I mean, he hasn't looked great. Um, and he did not look great Saturday night. Um, well, that was Falk that gave up the puck to grant on that third goal for Anaheim. When we were on the power play, he made a, I don't know. He, I guess he just wasn't paying attention, didn't see Grant, but he pretty much put it right on Grant's stick. And Grant walks in and deeks Bennington and scores. Um, I've heard a couple of different people on the radio, people like Kerber and, and some other hockey guys, uh, Jamie Rivers, whatnot, say that Falk just hasn't adapted yet, hasn't quite settled in yet, still learning a new system. He was with, he, he was playing Carolina's system for eight years or whatever, and is taking some time to learn the blues system and all that. And it's like, and once he gets his first goal, that'll be, you know, that'll really break the ice. Well, okay, let's, let's see that first goal. Cause he's got, I mean, all the highlights I've seen of him count Carolina, he's got a great shot, but haven't seen it yet here. I think it's also important to to consider the role 
that Justin Falk is playing now in comparison to what he did in Carolina, where he was the guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and when we acquired him, we spent a solid 10 minutes on this podcast talking about how Justin Falk and Alex Petrangelo statistically are very similar. Well, Justin Falk can't be Alex Petrangelo in this team because Alex Petrangelo is Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. Right. Um, and that, that coupled with, you know, moving town, getting settled personally speaking, granted, okay, he's had four or five months to do so by now. Yeah. Um, but there are a number of things that are kind of in flux with him, uh, specifically a, a, with respect to his game. And I can see how that would take some time to, to level out. I, I do think, um, any day of the week, I will take Justin Falk over Joel Edmondson, pound for pound. Falk has, he's a more talented player. He has a hot, a much higher ceiling of production than Joel Edmondson does. Um, and with a couple of exceptions, I feel like Falk, even though he's not showing up a ton on the score sheet, has been productive as, you know, how you have like the primary and the secondary assists sort of thing. He's very frequently, and actually, I used to say this about Jay Bomeister, believe it or not. Um, but these defensemen are the guys that are, same with Patrick Berglund. Patrick Berglund often, because <laughs> we knew Patrick Berglund was going to come up again, yeah? He was not always the, like, he was involved in plays, he was involved in scoring, but not always as the first or the second person in that play, right? So these are these are people who will uh, create the opportunity for the opportunity with their play off the puck or with the vision of the ice that puts two or three attacking players in a position to score, and I have, I have seen a lot of that in Falk's game so far this season. You have to figure as he settles in more to the Blues system and probably figures out, okay, what kind of player can I reasonably expect myself to be, right? I'm not going to be Alex Petrangelo, but I'm also not going to be Joel Edmondson. I have to feel like as he gets more and more comfortable in his own skin, in this team's strategy, tactic, all that, whatever... Um, that we'll see better from him. I certainly hope so. Yeah, I think so. Well, I hope so. Um, because, I mean, let's look at tonight's guest of honor, you know, Patty Maroon coming back to town. Um, it took him most of last season to be that, quote, hometown hero. Um, I was thinking about that today, you know, how you pointed out that in that game, if it wasn't for Bo Meester with his stick at the goalpost, there wouldn't be a hometown hero. Right. Um, but... Yeah, it took it took Maroon most of last season to be a force on that line with Bozak and Thomas. So yeah, hopefully Falk will come around. I'm not ready to write that trade off as a bad trade yet. Um, certainly willing to give it at least to the All Star break before making a judgment call. I think another thing to consider as well. Um, much has been made of the decision to bring Falk in and then sign him to that extension. And honestly, like if, if you asked me, what do you think will happen with Petrangelo, with Falk, with all this stuff? I don't know. I still don't understand what exactly Armstrong was going for in that situation. And, and a lot of that miss the lack of understanding comes down to, we don't know what happens with Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's very possible that Justin Falk doesn't know what's going on with Alex Petrangelo. And that, I'm sure that has to weigh on you psychologically as a player. If you, if you don't know your role in a team in the immediate time, yeah, like, okay, I can't play the same game I played in Carolina, so how do I find my place and contribute given what's around me? So that's one thing. But also, where will I be in nine to 12 months or 18 months, three years. What does that all look like? Um, I can see that also weighing on a player and impacting kind of the, the day-to-day stuff. Um, there's, there's so much that goes on into the psycho- psychology of being a professional athlete. This is why we have sports psychologists. Yeah. It's because there's, there's a lot of that sort of thing going on. But I don't know. That's just something else to throw out there when, you know, when we talk about Justin Falk and his lack of production, um, sometimes the occasional poor play that he makes, and we'll we'll touch on some of the X's and O's of the Anaheim game in a second. I think that's all important to consider is that there are so many things revolving around him in particular, but just the nature of professional athletes and something we don't always see from our sofas and chat rooms, you know? 
Well, it's kind of the reverse of the Shen thing. And I think we mentioned that on here too. Shen signs a contract and that's usually when the numbers kind of, oh, maybe fall off because I earned it. That's fine. And he's been nothing but productive and he's looked amazing. Whereas Falk signs the deal and yes, there's the uncertainty and, you know, Shen knows his role. Um, you know, even without Tarasenko right now, he still knows that he's got Schwartz on that one side. Um, I mean, what worries me about Falk in about 20 minutes of ice time a game six assists minus five. And I know that at the beginning of the year, that's one thing that I said. And, you know, yeah, we looked at the bad Carolina teams that he played on where he accumulated a massive minus number, um, but he's still putting up those minus numbers. Um, and that is uh, a concern of, of mine. If it was, you know, six assists minus one minus two. Um, okay. But I'm pretty sure at minus five, he is the team's, um, I don't want to say leader in plus minus because it would not be <laughs> the reverse He's leader. He's the team's yeah, <laughs> anti-leader. Right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's, and yeah, I agree with that. I agree with everything that was said about Maroon. Maroon needed to be on a line with a guy like Thomas who created more space for him to get him kind of more freedom to start having some of those chances. But I mean, I think it's pretty clear who the defensive pairings are. And so maybe it's just going to take a little bit longer to to build that chemistry and that that comfort level. So I'm interested about um, about that um, to see kind of how that how that does all all play out. But I think we've spent enough time there probably for now and got a few other things I know that we want to get to this fine afternoon. I do want to talk about the Anaheim game because there were some uh, just interesting moments in that game. Shippo, you mentioned their strategy, and that was on full display. Uh, the opening goal, uh, Max Jones kind of flipped a puck in the air through the neutral zone, right? Um, and what should have been a two-on-two situation with Petrangelo and David Perron, who was the, the third forward back, Um Getzlaff made a, a good play, batted the puck out of midair, kind of Ryan O'Reilly style. Um, that faked Perron out. Perron was going to play the puck, anticipating where it was going to go, which, okay, you do that. Um, Getzlaff made a good play, created a two-on-one and really nice passing. Um, I'm sorry, it was Raquel, future St. Louis Blue, Ricard Raquel, <laughs> flipped the puck through the neutral zone, and then Getzlaff and Max Jones um, had, a, had a really nice two-on-one. It was a well-worked play. Bennington didn't have a chance. Um, that was four minutes into the game after we had frankly dominated the top. The first, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't close the first three minutes and 50 and seconds. You even mentioned that. Yeah. It was that jet. That was, uh, kind of a, a, not a gut busting. Cause that's like laughter. Yeah. But what do you call it when something takes the wind out of you or like punch in the gut, punch in the gut. It was a gut punching goal. Um, followed immediately <laughs> by another one, uh, really bad turnover by, Alex Petrangelo in the corner. I think, Mike, you and I kind of went back and forth on on Facebook about this, how Bennington played the puck out from behind the goal to Petrangelo. Yeah. And it, it, when you watch the replay, it looks, frankly, like a Jake Allen goal where he just didn't get back in time. But Petrangelo tried to get cute with the puck in the corner, put it right on the stick of a Ducks player, bounced in front of the goal. And the highlight shows Bennington scrambling to get back in and not being able to. Yeah, and I don't remember. I, I know I watched it on the replay board on our best friend, Ava. Dumb. Um, but I, I never went back to watch it, and I, and I meant to, to see if Bennington was slow in getting back or if and – I, and, I and I don't know that. But that was kind of my initial reaction. Horrible pass from Pedro, and I'm not at all trying to put that on, on Bennington. But I, uh, I never went back to watch to see if he was a little slow in getting back into the net or if that was just something that – because it was such a bad turnover, just made it look like that. So I don't, I don't know if you guys caught or picked up on that at all. It didn't look particularly egregious to, to my eye. Then again, I'm an Allen hater, right? So <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything Jordan Bennington touches turns to gold, right? And right. yeah, only last season. That's the only thing that he touches that turns to gold. Um, and that's a fact, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, I mean, it's, I think it's one of those things where if you're in Alex Petrangelo's place, you have to know, okay, my goal is out of the net. So you shovel that puck around the boards. He was trying to give it to, I want to say it was Jaden Schwartz was the intended receiver of the pass. Um, and he just, he wasn't aware much like Justin Falk wasn't aware on Anaheim's third goal. 
Now, I will say this after the first period, I did not expect anything to come of this game because of those two. One, a goal just went completely against the flow of play that took the wind out of our sails. And the second one, which was just a bad goal from your captain, going into that that first intermission, I'm like, what is even the point? Um, Vince Dunn made it interesting, but then four minutes later, we gave up a shorthanded goal to Derek Grant. Justin Falk just not really paying attention to where his forechecker was. I think it's staying too close to a system, to a model, and not paying attention to what the other team is doing. Um, a drop pass. Lou Korak on Twitter just continues to be like, I don't understand why we keep using the drop, drop, the drop pass, pass the or zone. trying to go through the neutral zone. Um, and I mean, I, and I've, and I've been watching him on Twitter for a while and he's been saying that for a long time mm -hmm. and he's really the only one that I really see talking about it frequently. And so I went back to find that after the game to see, and sure enough, there it was. Yeah. For, for the life of me, I can't believe why they keep doing that. that no, that was not what gave away the shorthanded goal, though. It, it wasn't a neutral zone drop pass. It, no, but it was a it was a similar system of trying to cut back. It sure. wasn't the yeah. overarching drop pass, right? Yeah. But That's it was the it was the same weird style of system um, that that kind of caused that. Although it wasn't the whole just leave it and then hope that someone's behind you. It was just. Same thing, little different, but what bothers me about the neutral zone drop pass or the the pass that Justin Falk tried to make to Vince Dunn is one you're with Vince Dunn, who's not positionally sound, never has been, um, so that has to be in your mind. But you have to be aware of like, okay, who is the last man back, or where is the last man back? And he put a puck right on the stick of another player, which isn't the worst thing in the world if there's somebody behind you, but when. Dunn and Falk are more or less on the same plane, you're exposing yourself to that breakaway. Similarly, the dramatic drop pass. And when I, when I think of drop pass through the neutral zone on the power play, I'm thinking of somebody skating through the middle center ice. Right. And then sh like passing the puck backhand style, 10 feet behind them to the last man back. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Then you're stacking four people across the blue line. It's, ugh. It bothers me. It bothers me. The Anaheim game bothered me. Hattrick was scored against us, which is never fun. One of which was an empty net goal. But let's talk about the one positive that I saw. Clem Costin. The dude looked like he belongs. He looks yeah. like he belongs on this squad. And yeah, you can make the argument that, oh, well, it was a bad game from everyone else. So obviously he's, he's going to look better. He got to the dirty areas. He didn't think twice about going there. He was engaged from the beginning, uh, hit on his first shift. Um, he, he looks like he has a place to be here, um, and he's going to make it hard for a guy like De La Rose or a guy like Sanford to, to get minutes um, because I think when you look at the game across the board and what Costin can bring, I think the Blues team needs that. He looked fantastic moving around uh, Saturday night. And he looked like if I'm surprised he didn't get one. I thought there were a couple times where he had a couple really good chances that uh, Gibson made a couple good saves or he shot like kind of right at the goalie, kind of the maybe trying a little too hard kind of moment in the, in the debut. But I thought he looked great. 11 minutes and 45 seconds of ice time in his debut, two shots on goal, four hits. Zeros across the board otherwise, but that's promising. He, like you said, he's putting himself in those positions. Well, here's what Berube said after the game about Kostin. Uh He just brings the kind of element that we like. He's a big guy, finishes his checks. He can sk skate and shoot, goes to the net. For his first game, I thought he did a really good job, and I'd like to see him again. And he's supposed to be on the fourth line tonight. I was going to say, if he's not in tonight, I will be shocked. Um, I Glad to hear that, um, that he's going to be there. Cause I think, I think he needs to be. Um, yeah, he's, uh, Berube's mixing up the lines tonight. Cause I guess he's looking to jumpstart some offense. Uh, so it's uh, Schwartz, Shin and Bozak, Blay, O'Reilly and Perron, Sanford, Thomas and Sunquist, McEckern, Barbashev and Costin. And Bortuzzo is on the third pair with Dunn. Jordan Bennington is okay. is set to start, which you have to imagine he would do against Tampa Bay. Um, 
Yeah. What what stands out to me about these lines? One, Bozak on the top line with Shannon Schwartz playing on the right wing. That's I can't think of a time that I've seen that, and I, I like it. I love I love Bozak's game. Um, I like Thomas at center, even if it is with <laughs> Sanford. Um, and you have Sunquist, you know, who can pop in there as well. Um, I think there's a lot to a lot to like about about these lines. Third line actually seems weaker to me on paper than the fourth one does. But then again, we're kind of, we've been known in the last few years for not really having that out and out fourth line. Yeah. Um, right. I expect them to get more than six or eight minutes. Well, yeah. And, and that fourth line, McEachern, Barbashov and Costin, McEachern and Barbashov also put themselves in those dangerous areas. They, they go to the puck. Yeah. And, and I think that's got to benefit somebody like Costin, who's, just getting his feet wet in the NHL, but you can tell he wants the puck on his stick. Um, that's that's going to put him in a good place. Tampa Bay are 9-6-2, 20 points, 6th in the Atlantic Division. Ooh. That's strange. But they are Tampa, and they do know how to score goals. Steven Stamkos has 20 points, 7 goals, 13 assists. Nikita Kucherov, 6 goals, 12 assists. Our boy, Kevin Shattenkirk, 15 points. What's his plus minus? He is plus six. What? Wow. Yep. That is second on their team. Holy cow. Behind only Mikhail Ser- Sergachev. That the same Shattenkirk Sergachev? that we know? Sergachev. <laughs> couple things. couple things I'm looking forward to tonight. One of Bennington's greatest attributes and assets last year was those bounce back games. Yeah. Uh, loses a game and comes out and shuts uh, whoever down. It didn't matter who it was. Um Looking for that tonight um, to see if after, you know, I don't really want to say it was a, a bad game from him against Anaheim. I think it was a bad team game, um, but four, three goals given up, although two of which he, there's not really much he could have done about. Certainly the first um, two, no. And, and so it's, you know, but still that, that bounce back game of, of being locked down, um, stealing, stealing a game. Uh, making one of those saves that's just like I can't believe he did that. So I'm looking for that tonight, um, just to kind of just to stay strong. And again, I'm I'm going to be my eye is going to be glued to to Kasten. Um, I I hope that he can replicate that game on on Saturday because if he plays like that, he's going to get points, he's going to get goals, and he's going to make the people around them uh, around him better because there's going to be more space. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if that that fourth fourth line. Uh, you know, quote unquote of McEachern, Barbashev and Kassin get into a couple little scrums in front of uh, Tampa's net tonight, just causing some havoc. And I really am looking forward to that. I'd be curious to see what kind of ring, what kind of game uh, Maroon brings tonight. They're supposed to give him his ring in a pregame ceremony. Mm. Um, and they was talking very fondly about the blues, uh, of course, you know, today. So, is he going to go out there and chirp the blues and, and agitate the blues? Oh, I or hope he, he does. I, yeah, I just, how's he's going to go? make he's himself a that. nuisance. He is going to make himself an absolute pain. Um, and I think for him, it's going to be a, a much freer game because he's got that, oh, these are my buds. And I just think that gives you know, a little face wash or you know, a little, little extra tug and just kind of skating away with a smile and – I think that's going to, I think that's something that could get to the blues. Cause they're like, he's just having fun with us. He's toying with us as opposed to like someone else. Who you're like, I really don't like on the other team. Like I want to punch him back. So I think that'll be interesting to watch to kind of see how that, see how that plays out. He's having a Pat Maroon season, four goals, three assists for seven points, plus one, 17 penalty minutes. Um, so that's about, about what you'd expect. You know, he's not lighting the world on fire. Um, but he's, he's Pat Maroon. I'm excited to see, see him back again, because like you said, you know, he's a good natured fellow and, and even, you know, whether he's on your team or the other team, I never felt like watching Pat Maroon chirp at another player was, it's, it's not like when Milan Lucic does that sort of thing or Brad Marchand, you know, it's, it's good natured. He's, he's just a big oaf who, you know, I, I think it really became clear in the post cup celebration, how, he feels he is very lucky to be doing what he's doing. I think he made a comment at some point about, you know, <laughs> being fat and out of shape and being like, I'm just trying to keep up, but I'm, you know, very lucky. Very Chubby, blessed. but effective. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think that that says something about about his his personality as a player. 
Um, oh, just another note about this game. Uh, Braden Shen's brother, Luke Shen, plays defense for um, for Tampa Bay. So there's a lot lots to look out for in this game. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens here. Again, it's weird. We, we just talked about the last three games as being games that we should win. Um, the Blues have a series of four games, really, that on paper, if you're looking at the standings, they should win. Uh, sixth place, Tampa Bay Lightning. Fifth place, Calgary Flames come to town um, after that. And then we have a home-and-home home series against the, also this is a head-scratcher, the sixth place, Nashville Predators. Granted, they're on 21 points. Um which would not be quite as far down in, in other divisions. Um, but games that, you know, we should feel pretty good about. Um, I say that now. I said that last week too, so who knows. What do you think, listener? I think we should take a break, come back and talk about some individual players, and then say goodbye. We'll be right back. Welcome back, listener. I feel like I might have to sneeze, but it's not really happening. More hockey to talk about. <laughs> not entirely blues-related, but probably blues-related by the end of the season. Uh, before we get into some of that, uh, Mike has a shout-out. I want to give a shout-out to Jason in Nanaimo, British Columbia, which is an island community off the coast of Vancouver, uh, he was in town, sat next to him at the Arizona game. Fun chap to talk to and uh, is actually a Calgary Flames fan and yeah. told him about the podcast. He said he would give a listen. So, Jason, hope you're listening. Big shout out to Jason. You know, our, our Facebook community is open to uh, to non-blues fans as well. Um, we've mentioned I've mentioned a couple of times my friend Brandon, who somehow is a Chicagoan who supports San Jose. There's a lot of weird stuff about Brandon. Love you, brother. Um you know, so hey, uh, if you're from an island community called Nanaimo, which sounds super like tropical and awesome, I'm sure it's not because it's British Columbia, um, you know, northwestern North America. Um, but you know, if you happen to be a Vancouver Canucks super fan, or you know, follow the Blackhawks, and something possesses you to interact with us, you're still welcome. Blues play the Flames later on this week, so super cool. Hey, let's talk about Corey Schneider. Did you know that Corey Schneider is awful? Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> the stats are, are truly dreadful. Um, like Jake Allen numbers, but sustained over. I heard at one point he went over a calendar year between registered wins. Oof. Wow. That's just rough. And now, now he's fallen from grace in New Jersey, where at one point he was the, the big thing. Um, this season, he's appeared in six games. Uh, zero wins, four losses, one overtime loss. Uh, 26 goals against his save percentage is 0.852. Yuck. That's wow. not fun. 26 and goals in six starts. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Goals against average 4.59. Um, it should be noted that the devils are a truly terrible team as well. Um, Taylor Hall's a name that's been thrown around a lot as a, a probable rental player by the end of the season. He's not going to stick around there. Um, and Jack Hughes just wasn't enough to, you know, totally change a, a kind of crap team. Um, the Devils are third or fourth to last in the NHL. They're on 18 points. So believe it or not, the Minnesota Wild are worse than they are right now. But the Devils are still bad. They have put Corey Schneider on waivers. And did he clear waivers? I think he did. He got assigned to their minor league team, I think. Corey Schneider cleared waivers and will be assigned to Binghampton. So no NHL teams thought, hey, Corey Schneider's worth a shout. There should be a position open in New Jersey. Do we think a team, uh, maybe the Devils might say, hey, Jake Allen's worth a shout? I'm listening. Listening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? I'm sure their GM has Doug Armstrong's number somewhere. We haven't really made many deals with the <laughs> deals with the devils. <laughs> but the that's, devil did go down funny. to Georgia. <laughs> Jake Allen's numbers are slightly better. You know, actually, Jake Allen's numbers, I think if you adjust for the team that, he, that plays in front of him, are actually not so different. Um, five games played this season. Three wins, one loss, one tie. Um, or, or overtime. Um 
only 16 goals against, but his save percentage, so he's faced much fewer shots. His save percentage is 0.893, which is slightly better, 0.85, 0.89. Still not great. 3.19 goals against, uh, goals against average, which I chalk up to a better team playing in front of him. And I think you have to look at some of those games, too. I mean, some of those games, he stole. Um, I mean, he he looked good in some of those games, um, but some of those games he looked bad. Sounds like Corey Schneider just looked bad and didn't have any good. Um, so maybe there's the, that redeeming quality um, on the on the trade market for a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. The uh, the uh, the Devils also have collectively forty points, statistical points fewer than the Blues, so they're scoring fewer goals than the blues are. And you say Allen has stolen games this season. I'm thinking of one game, one game that he kept them in it. That yeah. made a, a difference. I'm thinking of two games. So where, I should have taken off the played. S to plural. <laughs> My bad. I'm thinking of, let's put it this way. Jake Allen. Um, he played well against Columbus this past week. And it, I said earlier, it was the first game where he did not have an absolute howler, right? Where he, there wasn't a single play that, a goal that he conceded that you're just thinking, how on earth did that get through? And so, yes, that's, that's progress. But I think it's also somewhat of a damning statement about Jake Allen's season so far, that even when he's getting wins, it might not always be that Jake Allen is playing out of his mind and doing really well, but that the team is scoring goals in front of him because... Again, until this past week, he has continued to let in head-scratching goals. Even the goal along the ice to Connor McDavid, that can't go in in the NHL, and it can't go in with the regularity with which Jake Allen lets those goals in. Is he that much of an improvement over Corey Schneider? If you put Jake Allen in front of the uh, behind the New Jersey Devils team, what does he look like? That's what I don't know. Yeah, and it's surprising that New Jersey is as bad as they are, even with P.K. Subban back there. But it, it, he would be a different goaltender in, in, with playing behind that New Jersey team than he is the Blues, for sure. But I'm still listening. We'll see what, what, what they're willing to offer in trade. Players for New Jersey that would spark interest, obviously Taylor Hall, because we're St. Louis and we just can't get over the fact that we didn't acquire him three years ago. Um, I don't know that I want Taylor Hall as a rental. Yeah. Kyle Palmieri has seven goals, five assists for 12 points, 25 penalties in minutes. Wow. Um, otherwise, Nico Hersher has 10 points. He would be a third-line player for the Blues. So I don't uh, – it's kind of a situation where I look at their roster and I'm thinking who would we really – who would improve us in exchange for Jake Allen and please God, Zach Sanford. Um I don't, I don't, I don't see a whole, a whole lot here, but then again, somebody that's going to need a Jake Allen probably isn't going to have tremendous assets else, elsewhere. You know, I don't know of many teams that are like desperately in need of a backup goaltender and have this amazing star that they can't hold on to. Well, let's work out a three-way trade with Anaheim and get Ricard Raquel. <laughs> now I'm listening. <laughs> Hashtag Raquel to STL. It's, it's got to happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, Anaheim, I mean, they're they're not in the best situation either. Anaheim goalie-wise have John Gibson. So he's got that number one position pretty much on lock, yeah. Uh, started 17 games. 7-10, and 10, but the Ducks aren't playing incredibly well in front of him. Jacob Silverberg and Ricard Raquel, I would take either of those players. So we get one of those two players. We ship off Jake Allen and Zach Sanford to they New Jersey. Jake Allen. Who, does, who does New Jersey send to Anaheim? Maybe Kyle Palmieri do a second stint in Southern California because he played with the Kings once, I think, a few years back. Yeah, I think you're right. So okay, so New Jersey would get Jake Allen, send Palm Palmieri maybe to Anaheim. Anaheim season is perplexing. How often do three team trades happen in the NHL? I feel like that's an NBA thing. NBA. I feel like every yeah. NBA trade has like four teams it, involved. It does it. happen. It does happen. Just not. With as much regularity. I think the last one was the Colorado, Ottawa, Nashville. Oh, um, yeah. Trade. Turris. Um, mm. What's his face that was in Colorado that had to get out of Colorado? Went Duchesne. to Duchesne. Yeah, yeah. Duchesne. Yeah. I don't forget. I don't remember who Colorado got in that deal. But In uh, 
St. Louis Blues fan group that uh, I guess we're technically both still in. I don't really follow up anymore. I was verbally accosted by a Twitter personality for suggesting that Kyle Turris would be a good addition in St. Louis. Um, this was three, four years ago. I would have taken Kyle Turris. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yep. He's, a, he's a small guy, but he, he plays with pace. He's shifty. You know, yeah. he, he plays actually like I I would compare him, at least the Kyle Tourist that I remember. Um, I would compare him almost to like a Rob Thomas type player. Um, a lot of, a lot of good movement, has a good shot. Um, he's a hard worker. Yeah, in order for Jake Allen to to be dealt in a deal that would bring Raquel to St. Louis, um, it would have to involve a third party because Anaheim's backup is our old buddy Ryan Miller. Yes, it is. His statistics are better than John Gibson's this season. He's appeared in six games, started five of them. He is 3-0-2, only allowed 14 goals this season. His save percentage is 9-19, and his goals against average is 2.61, compared with Gibson's 9-13-2-9-0. So Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller. We don't need to open the Ryan Miller door. No, nope. that gets me. It gets me fired up. Anyway, Blues fans, what uh, what would you? What kind of deals would you like to see made? How are we going to move Jake Allen's salary and, or should we even? Are you happy with with that? Um, yeah, let us know. Leave us a comment in our Facebook group, uh, something like that. Give us your hypothetical. I love hypothetical trade talks. It's just it's fun. Armchair GMs arise. Who's going to be the player that comes in and makes up for the scoring? We'll see. We're going to take a quick break and come back with Andrew Ship's Psychological Corner. Andrew, what, uh, what have you got for us today? Well, you know, usually I try to break down some thoughts about what other people might be having and why their thoughts might be affecting their style of play. Um, today, I'm going to give you an insight into my brain. Um, which could be a, a very dangerous thing. Terrifying. Um, so there's a thing called Blues Twitter. Um, it's not bluestwitter.com. It's just people on Twitter who like to talk about the blues. And there have become a number of personalities that have been started with these mock Twitter handles, um, one of which was um, Fabry's Hair. Um, now, Mr. Fabry's Hair, if you ever listen, this is not a personal attack on you, Um but I enjoyed following you because I never really cared for Robbie Fabry all that much. And yet you were so adamant that he had this great hair and that he was a, a great hockey player. And maybe before injury that he was. Um, but then you decided before the Blues won the Cup to go and touch the Stanley Cup in your Robbie Fabry jersey. And then Robbie Fabry broke his knee twice. And so upon being traded, um, a new Twitter handle must uh, be made. Um And my first thought was, please don't choose anything regarding Bob Thomas. Please don't choose anything with Bob Thomas. And yet, it's like you heard me and were out to spite me, and you chose to go with a Thomas the Tank Engine Twitter handle. And I was just so filled with with anger this morning when I saw that. Just the, the rage swept over me. Um... Because part of the reason I like to follow you is because I didn't necessarily agree with you on a lot of things. Um, you were a good follower, you're a passionate fan, and I appreciated that. Um, but the whole Fabry thing like gave me like this out of of okay. But when I didn't agree with you, yeah, but he's a Fabry guy. Yeah, but Fabry's kind of fallen off since those knee injuries, and yet you just kept coming, and now you you take something from me. And you change it. And if you if you do anything, if Bob Thomas breaks his knee twice or breaks his shoulder four times, man, I just I don't even know. I don't even know anymore. Like it's just ah. Anyway, Blues Twitter is a is a dangerous place. There's people that like really go after each other. Um, and there are there are times where I have to mute or use the unfollow button. Um, any Twitter people out there, you, you might know what I'm talking about. You probably have your own opinions about people. I don't really engage on social media very often. I'm more just kind of a, a look and get news type of person and, and follow along with people's thoughts and kind of disagree to myself while I'm, you know, sipping a whiskey or sipping a, a bush, a bush latte um, 
or maybe another, <laughs> or maybe another Anheuser Busch type product. Um, I just kind of follow along for the joy of it. But for whatever reason, this morning when I saw that Bob Thomas was chosen as as this new handle, I just I was so angry. And I don't know what that says about me. So any psychologist out there, if you are listening, um, this is my psychological corner. You cannot respond. So thank you um, for your thoughts, but keep them to yourself. Um, but God bless Bob Thomas. Keep him safe. For those of you who are not in the studio with us right now, Andrew Ship is uh, has his own personal sofa in the corner of the room. It's a nice black leather. Much like you would find in kind of a, you know, was it Freud who like popularized the whole? Anyway, Shippo is like lying on his back, uh, staring at the ceiling. There are like light tears streaming down the left side of his cheek. Just um, the one eye. Just the one just eye. Just the left eye. Just the one solitary tear. Um, you never went through the emo phase in middle school and high school, so I guess it's coming out now. Um, in reference to this account, Thomas the Tank Engine, at Rob Tom, T-H-O-M, the tank, on Twitter... Uh, describes itself as this Twitter used to be devoted to the fabulous hair of Robbie Fabry. Now it's dedicated to the unstoppable train that is Robert Thomas, the tank engine, the unstoppable train that has three goals and one assist and is minus one. Um, you know, I'm all for the parody accounts, um, especially when they're from people that don't always know a ton about hockey. Um, I can't comment on this cause I never really followed Fabrice hair or anything like that. I just kind of avoid Twitter in general. Um, but I'm also not the one that's lying on my back on a, on a leather sofa. It's true. It's true. We're there for you, Shippo. Hang Thank in you. there. Thank you. So blues fam. What, uh, how about this? What are some of your favorite Twitter accounts to follow? Civil war Schwartz is a good one. Yes. Love that one. Um, there used to be a Ken Hitchcock's hat or something like that. Now he's Mr. Stanley B hat. Mr. Stanley yep. B hat. Yeah. He gets in it with some people. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he seems cool. I like him. Yeah. There's a, one of my favorites is, uh, Kyle Foxton. I don't remember his Twitter handle, but he's a Canadian blues fan and he cracks me up. He, he's one of my favorites and there's some good ones out there. I, I follow along just for the discussions and. They get pretty close, and like I said, I, I, I like to watch from a distance. I don't like to get engaged. Um, maybe I need to create a, a parody account, a, a nameless account, so people don't know it's really me and, and engage, and that can be my outlet, so I don't have to lie on my back and stare at the ceiling any longer, um, but I can just let out the venting. Um, stay what tuned. You, what would your Twitter, Twitter handle be? You know, stay tuned. I just, I just thought about this, like, in this moment. I didn't think about it this morning when I was angry, but... I don't know. We're going to we're going to go back to the drawing board. So stay tuned till until next week, because that's when I'm going to reveal a couple of names that I that I think might really work. Um, and then, you know, maybe we'll go forward from there. Like, what would your parody Twitter handle be or what player would you choose to uh, use as an homage? Um, I don't but probably make a play off of Petro or something. Um have to think on that. I'll get back to you next It'd be week. Like Peter Angelo, and it's like his because it's always a the icon for Thomas the Tank Engine is Thomas the Tank Engine, but with Rob Thomas's face. I'm sorry, Bobby Boy's <laughs> face superimposed on Thomas's. Maybe okay. Peter Angelo with a picture of Pierre Maguire or Barry Melrose. Mm. Barry Melrose this week on ESPN called him Peter Angelo. Or no, I'm sorry, Petra Angelo. Petra Angelo. That's the the Pierre Maguire one, isn't it? See, I would go if I were going to go Peter Angelo. I would just like go completely off the wall and and Photoshop Alex Petrangelo's face onto like Michelangelo, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Okay, just go big. <laughs> Personally, I think mm, I've I've always been a fan of Oscar Sundquist and Oscar the Grouch. I like calling him Oscar the Grouch because he's just a very strange looking human being, and it would be called. But Grouch would be spelled G-R-O-V-C-H because in Sunquist's name, it's Q-V instead of Q-U. So Oscar the Grouch, and it would be, yeah. Do you think David Perron has any cats? Because oh, there is a, a Perron <laughs> joke to be made in there. I can't believe I've never thought Perron. about this before right now. But oh, that's a good one. maybe that's what it would be, a little crossover with uh, David Perron and Cat. Yeah. Also, now I'm terrified. 
So I'm that'd be kind of scary. I'm scared. David Perron dressed up as a character from Cats the musical. David Perron. Um, from Tom Tucker. Sorry for the <laughs> nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are lots of J. Bo Meester puns. J. Cone Meester, J. Blow Meester. But he's been one of our solid, uh, solid defensemen this season. So maybe we don't want to touch it if it's not broken. Right. And there's always Jordan Winnington, Stanley Cup Winnington. I don't know if, uh, like in Tar in the movie Tarzan, when Tarzan <laughs> hears the gunshot and he associates it with Clayton. I almost wonder if we could make it Colton because he can shoot the puck uh, so Colt hard. Colt 55 can, is a good one. You can make that. Colt 55 is a good one in two zigzags. We need to and rewrite that song. Um, yeah, put that on the to-do list. I think that's quite enough of all that. Mike, any parting thoughts? Bring back Angela Sharp. Bring back Angela Sharp. Yes, the in-game entertainment has just been lacking, and I never thought I would miss her. I think I said this before. Mm-hmm. I would be all for that. Bring her back. She's back in St. Louis, isn't she? Yeah. She did a stint in the southeast in Florida, I think, but now she's yeah, back. Tampa Rays. Mm-hmm. She's good. I also wonder, so is it Carly, is that her name? And then... Carly. Carly, yeah. and then there's another dude. I think they've been at it for now two years, yeah? This is their second season. Second yeah. season. Maybe they grow into it. They haven't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll She's got to lose those big sister glasses and that big sister look and start, I don't know, bring her Angela Sharp A-game. I My favorite thing that Angela used to do was when she would interview the kids. That was always, I think, where she would really yeah. shine. Like, you know, to a certain degree, you're you're dealing with zero talent when you're going into the stands and having people do blues guessing games and, you know, the shuffle puck thing, whatever. The hockey Here's version one of the Russian bench. word. What does it mean? Oh, Ooh. sorry, you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> or like they're they're very clearly being fed the answers or something like that. That would be a really good one, actually. Um, we could do a. Oh, we don't have any German speaking players, do we? Long German words is one of the best. Mm. Yeah, they did that with the Russian. It was, I think, it was. Barbashev maybe said a oh. Russian word, and it was it was some ridiculous Russian word that meant crossbar and sounded nothing like crossbar. Oh. But it was just it was just a dull thing. Um, One of my favorite Russian words, dosto primachetelnosti. It means sights. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, like, oh yeah, I'm going to. I'm just gonna go to uh, you know to the fine city of whatever, and you know just go look at some of the dosto primachetelnosti. <laughs> German has words like geschwindigkeitsbeschränkung, which means uh, um, geschwindigkeitsbegrenzung. Uh, speed limit. It's mm. a good one. There's um, there's actually a really good YouTube video of the actor Christoph Waltz from he's Austrian from Vienna. He's from Inglorious Bastards, right? So he plays the like the Nazi kind of antagonist uh, with Jimmy Fallon, and they're playing long German words. And one of the ones like Jimmy Fallon has to guess A or B, which this word, which of these things the word means. And one of the words is Waldeinsamkeit, which is a great word. And the correct answer is um, the feeling of wandering in the forest and being overcome by a sense of woodland solitude. That's uh, that's what <laughs> that's what Valdansamkeit means. So it's a wonderful awesome. word. They all, there's also a word Sitzpinkler, which is specifically a man who pees sitting down. <laughs> so that's uh, I guess Jude's Jude's linguistics lesson for the night. <laughs> Jude's curious trivia. Curious, curious Jude. Yeah. There's always always those fun things. Um, hey, one of the things that got me into foreign languages in the first place was watching hockey. Because when I was a kid, the um, the Russian five, the Russian line in Detroit were like all the rage. Uh, we had like Fedorov, Konstantinov, Kozlov. Larionov. Larionov and... Oh, man. Kozlov. But they've I, got I names Kozlov. like Valerie. Valerie. Yeah, but that's a that's a Latin name, Valerius. Yes. But there's a wonderful song, Me Like Hockey, <laughs> pick, that picks up on that. And one of the lines, the guy goes, They've got names like Valerie. And it's wonderful. It's a great song. <laughs> All right. And what's a Timu anyway? Tame, no, okay, so if you want bizarro names, go to <laughs> Finland. Um 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just like you put a bunch of consonants and vowel sounds in a hat and like alternate one to one. It's like Temu, Pookie, uh, that's a surname, I guess, but um, who else? Tuka. When I was living in Arizona, there was a defenseman called Teppo Newman, and that was one yes. of my favorite names, mm-hmm. Teppo. It's just, it's cool. Like now we have fun names like Barbashov and Tarasenko, which is a Ukrainian Russian name. Anyway, have we gone on enough about this? You had final thoughts. Bring back Angela Sharp. Okay. <laughs> First throwback uh, Jersey night for the 90s throwback Jersey night is uh, Thursday, the 21st. So I'm looking forward to that. Bring back a little childhood memory. Should be fun. Mm. I'm not a fan of those jerseys, but. I'm excited to see him back. For, on the for the one, I think it's going to be fun. Night. Three nights or whatever. Calgary Flames. So Lightning, Flames, and then the Preds two times in a row. And then the lightning again. And then the lightning again. Uh, you can, listener, join us on Facebook for our discussion. Uh, we are the St. Louis Blues Supporters Forum Facebook group. We would love to have you join in. Um, our conversations, especially during the games, the live game chats are are a hoot, um, as well as just whenever there's any, any fun news around the NHL. We'd love to hear your takes about the Blues this season or in general. Why are you a fan? All that stuff. You can chat with Mike, Shippo, and me in, in that group and a bunch of other wonderful people. Uh, and go ahead and give us a follow on Spotify or any of, any of the other places you get your pods. Give us a review, um, and we love it when you share our content. Um, so all those Blues friends, fans of yours, um, be sure to let them know that you're a fan of the Blues Supporters Show and that you love Blues hockey. So that's about all we got for this time. Uh Be well, listener, and until next time, let's Let's go go Blues. This has been a Cathedral Studios production.